Hi, it's Dwyer. It's Monday, March 13th, 2023. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. Let me apologize up front here, too. I have a cold. Uh, this morning I have the hiccups, but I'm going to power through because, let's face it, that's what should be done. There's a job to do. There are boxing matches to discuss. Just remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, this weekend, we had two sizable underdog plays. Carlos Tackham, plus 425 over Tony Yoka. Hedged with the over, uh, bada bing. But we also had Tony Harrison, plus 200. Over Tim Zhu, that fight did not work out. I congratulate Tim Zhu. He won that fight by stoppage. According to reports, and I haven't seen that fight yet, Tim Zhu was dominating the fight. I thought Harrison was the much more skilled fighter going into that matchup. I will make a post-fight video as soon as I get an opportunity to look at that fight. But understand, when you hit on a plus 425, as Carlos Tackham did in delivering for his betters, understand you can take losses and still turn a profit. Now here, what I want people to do, and this is how I've set this up, is to look in my favorites folder right now on YouTube. You're going to see four fights with guys who, to me, are similar to Carlos Tackham. In other words, shorter guys with punches who are very aggressive, who are coming to hurt you. They're not coming to run and hide. They are coming to take it to you. They're coming to knock you out. And they're facing some of the best heavyweights I can think of in terms of skills, right? Some of them might surprise you. But in my favorites folder right now, you have an earlier Carlos Tackham fight against Prime, Anthony Joshua, right? You have Lennox Lewis, against a man we thought was a beast at the time. A man with a great left hook, David Tua, right? You also have an underrated George Foreman. And understand, this is Foreman when he returns to the sport, when his hand speed is really slow. And he's going up against Hall of Famer Dwight Cowie, right? By the way, that fight is one of Alexander Usyk's favorite matches in history. Now, let me just up front, and, and you have, before I forget, <laughs> you have Buster Douglas shocking the world by taking Mike Tyson's title. Now, before I dive into this, let me just say this. The Buster Douglas fight is very important because when you see a guy like me who has gray hair down here, when you see, we'll call them men of a certain age, right? Late 40s, 50s, 60s, 
right? When you have people in that age group, I'm just telling young people that folks my age privately have a bias because we remember when heavyweight fights featured more volume. We remember when heavyweight fights had faster pacing. You look at the pace thrown down by the Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas event, and you don't even recognize the current sport. Both guys are going at it. Both guys have hand speed, right? Douglas, who we don't consider to be one of the best heavyweights of all time, although I would argue that Douglas at his best, at his best, and he's at his best against Tyson, right? Douglas at his best was a hell of a fighter, right? My point to you is that Buster Douglas today would have too fast a pace for almost everyone in the heavyweight division. Let me also say, too, that if you look into Douglas's past, the knock on Douglas was when he fought people like Tony Tucker was that he was skilled for the early rounds. But then when it got into the later rounds, he faded. Right? Well, understand, against Mike Tyson, he gets dropped when he gets off the canvas. Folks, he's still bringing it. That's what finishes Tyson. It's the uppercut that leads to Douglas able to finish off the exchange with a straight right hand. Right? That's after jabbing Tyson to death in the early part of the fight. Well, let's talk about Tony Yoka. Right now, understand, the guys I've named, Foreman, Olympic heavyweight champion. You heard me mention Anthony Joshua, Olympic heavyweight champion. You heard me mention Lennox Lewis, Olympic heavyweight champion. So too is Tony Yoka. Yoka now is in his 30s. The problem, and it jumps off the page at you when you look at these old fights, right? The problem is that Tony has holes in his game. He's not where the guys I've mentioned are, right? The Lennox Lewis fight, folks, Lewis has a jab that's a problem. You're fighting a shorter man. That shorter man is trying to crash the pocket on you. Right? Understand, too. Tacum has better feet than Mike Tyson. When Tony Yoka comes forward, when Tacum doesn't want to exchange, he'll go backwards. He'll just back up. He'll leave the pocket. Right? So here you have Tony Yoka. Against Carlos Tackham, what could he do? If you look at the Lennox Lewis-David Tua fight, right? And Tua, like Tackham, a little bit shorter, aggressive, came to hurt you. Right? If Yoka knew how to control spacing against a high-volume opponent, or at least a high-pressure opponent, shorter opponent. One would expect 
Tonioka to establish a jab. Right? That's what Buster Douglas does against Mike Tyson, folks. Look at the film. That's what Lennox Lewis does against David Tua. Right? You want to establish a jab. You want to keep Carlos Tackham away from you. That's what Anthony Joshua does at times against Carlos Tackham. Right, folks? Tony Yoka couldn't do it. In fact, there's a bigger problem Yoka has. Not only can Yoka not establish a jab, right? Yoka can't defend himself and throw punches at the same time when the volume increases. Right? You'll notice Yoka at times, and it's a very bad visual against a shorter opponent. Yoka at times goes into a shell as Carlos Tackham is on his front foot hunting him down. When you're the bigger man, and folks, Tony Yoka is huge. Tony Yoka is taller than Lennox Lewis. When you're the bigger man, and the smaller man is not only walking you down, but has you in a shell, when the volume increases, you're going to lose those rounds on many judges' scorecards. Let me say this too. Carlos Tackham is getting in excellent right hooks on Tony Yoka. I want people to realize that Dwight Cowie gets in several, several great right hands, right hooks on George Foreman. Look at that film. Right? And yet, and yet, George Foreman isn't afraid to throw his jab. George Foreman isn't afraid to engage with the smaller man. Right? Foreman, by the way, makes his most headway against Cowie with body shots. In other words, this is the big man who, of course, is ready to trade. Right? This is the big man who really thinks that he is the big man. And he's not going to let a shorter guy control the fight. Right? There's a moment here, and it's peak Joshua. There's a moment in the Joshua-Carlos Tackham fight where Joshua, and this is a few rounds into the fight because Joshua's cautious in the early rounds. But once Joshua gets comfortable, he fights the fight you thought he was going to fight against Usyk in the rematch. Joshua's on his front foot. Shots are landing. Both guys. Joshua is trading with Carlos Taco. Right? He's not turtling. He's not backing away. He thinks the sequence is in his favor. And like Foreman, Joshua's willing to go to the body. Right? What I saw with Tony Yoka <clears throat> is that Yoka, at this stage of his career, and he was coming off a loss, let me just say whoever put him in the ring with Carlos Tackham 
coming off a loss did him a disservice because Takum is that cagey vet who has a moving upper body and who can come in and wing wide shots. Understand, Martin Bacoli in beating Tony Yoka is throwing a lot of wide hooks. Here you have Tony Yoka facing a guy who is active, has stamina, is throwing exactly the kind of punches that bother Tony Yoka. Right to Yoka's people, you need to put the training wheels back on. This guy's confidence is shot. Let me say something else that's shot too. His stamina. You're watching the fight. Tackum by the middle rounds establishes himself. You're thinking to yourself, okay, look, I know Tackum fights out of France, but France is really Tony Yoka's country. Right? Yoka owns France like AJ owns the UK. You thought, okay, if Tony can just let his hands go, right, just throw some shots, throw some big right hands like Lennox Lewis is throwing on David Tua, right? If he could just mix it up like Buster Douglas does when he gets off the canvas against Mike Tyson. If Tony can just give the judges a reason to give him the fight, he might get it. That's not what happened, folks. You get to the later rounds, and it looked like Carlos Tackle wanted the later rounds more than Tony Yoka. Right, let me say too, you watch Foreman against Cowie and Foreman stands up, right? You know big George Foreman is big because he stands up. He towers over his opponent. You look at Lennox Lewis. Now the Lewis Tua fight's the most interesting out of this bunch because Lewis had a heavy punch. Lewis is throwing very heavy, straight right hands. Some of them are landing. But you notice that Lewis isn't afraid to be on his back foot. Lewis is backing up. Lewis also is standing upright. Right? At times he leans forward, but Lewis stands upright at times because he understands his size can be an attribute. As Tua starts winging his trademark left hook, Lewis leans back, has a hand up to block it. He wants it to travel. He wants Tua's best punch to be a long punch. Now, Tony Yoka, you wouldn't guess that he's something like 6'6", 6'7". You wouldn't guess that because he's bent over so much that he's the same size as... Carlos Tackham. And also, Tony is not throwing punches with mean intention. Right? You look at the Kawi 
Foreman fight. And Foreman eats a lot of very big right hands from Cowie. Right? Cowie is desperately trying to blast George Foreman out of there. That's what Cowie sees as his path to victory, knocking out Foreman. But you notice that even when Foreman's getting hit, Foreman's throwing shots. Folks, Tony Yoka is so battered. He's a battered boxer. That when the volume increases, he stops throwing shots. He backs away and he just covers up. You never feel his size. You never think to yourself, oh, Lennox is bigger than David Tua. Oh, Joshua is bigger than Carlos Tackett. George Foreman is bigger than Dwight Cowie. As you're watching the tackle, Yoka fight, you start to think that they're the same size. You're seeing the big guy back away when there's high volume and turtle. You don't see a jab that the other guy has to get through to get to him. Right? The Buster Douglas-Mike Tyson fight, everyone thought Tyson was going to win that fight. Tyson was the prohibited favorite. But as you're watching that fight, you notice Tyson's starting to get busted up. You notice there's swelling around Mike's eye. Right? You notice Douglas has that jab popping and is throwing other punches behind it. Right? The David Tua, Lennox Lewis fight. You know what? Tua has a great first round. He comes out, he's on his front foot. Like Howie, he wants to hunt down Lennox Lewis. Right? Lewis on his back foot. Then you notice Lewis is landing a jab. You start to notice, too, that Lewis, the slugger, has what I call a mobile jab. Lewis can actually get on his toes and throw the jab while he's moving. You notice Tua can't just run in the pocket. He actually has to deal with this bloody jab, right? Then you notice Lennox Lewis, great puncher, is loading up on straight right hands behind it. You're looking at it and you're thinking, oh man, you know, Tua better be careful. Folks, I was looking, and by the way, the film is in my favorites folder, Yoka against Takum. I'm looking at that Yoka against Takum fight and I never thought to myself, Tackum better be careful. Tackum could get dropped here. Right? Never got that feeling. You know, the foreman fight's so interesting. Cowie goes down a few times. The ref doesn't call, doesn't call them knockdowns. Let me tell you how savvy a vet Cowie is. He gets hit hard in the rib section. He hits the canvas. It's a clear knockdown. Cowie then grabs the back of his head, which Foreman did not hit. He grabs the back of his head, and somehow the ref must have thought that that was a rabbit punch. Another time, Cowie gets hit and clearly falls into the ropes. Folks, I'm not talking about, you know, the top two ropes. I'm talking about the last rope. He falls into the ropes. Then he bounces back. 
right? And of course, KG Vet, he bounces, he bounces off the ropes. He's literally knocked down. He bounces off the ropes. Vet tries to play it off and continue fighting and gets away with it. Right? Understand the Cowie fight against Foreman is one of the best fights thrown down against Foreman. Right? I would say the Rumble in the Jungle and the Ron Lyle fight are probably the best fights against George Foreman other than this Cowie fight. Right? Cowie lands some big shots. But you're always conscious of George Foreman's punching power. You're always conscious of George Foreman's size. You realize the threading the needle job that Cowie is trying to do just off the fact that Cowie from time to time is hitting the canvas. You never feel Yoka's power in this Carlos Tackham fight. Let me say this too, and this is more technical. Right, Tackham, who can throw straight punches. I encourage people to look at a very disturbing film. It's Tackham against Joe Joyce, right? Like Foreman, when Foreman returned, Joyce is taking shots, right? Even straight right hands right down Main Street. And you wonder, is he not seeing them? Does he foolishly think that his chin will always be bulletproof? Tackham can throw straight shots, right? But here, like Bacoli, he's focusing on throwing wide right hands by design, right? Because Yoka has a defense like this, so he's trying to get behind the defense. He's trying to get behind Yoka's hands. Now, you couldn't imagine a guy doing that and having a lot of success for a full fight against Lennox Lewis, right? Because Lewis's counterpunching ability was such that the minute you start to go wide, Lennox Lewis is going to counter you. He's going to throw a straight counter that's going to hit you before you hit him. That's going to give you things to think about. When you see a guy throwing too wide and being successful, you should be disturbed because the idea is, why isn't his opponent countering him? Right? The wide punches are supposed to be the easier punches to counter. Tony Yoka is so busy being in a defensive shell that he can't counter Carlos Tackham's wide shots. Right? Nor can he move away from the wide shots. Right? Foreman, who gets hit at least as hard as Tony Yoka does, with right hands from Dwight Cowie, right, in his fight, keeps throwing punches, right? Figures out how to duck his head. Foreman is better defensively, quite frankly, than some of the guys on this list. I'd say he's better defensively than Lennox Lewis, for example, right? Because Foreman has his hands up. But Kawhi is still landing that right hand with regularity. Foreman's solution is, as Kawhi throws the right hand, I'm going to go to his body. If he's close enough to me to land his right hand, he's close enough to me for me to hit him hard to the body. 
Also, I'm going to try to duck my head so some of these right hands hit my shoulder. There's no such strategy coming from Tony Yoka. Right? Yoka is a fighter who needs to be reworked. Right? The blueprint is out. Be aggressive with Tony. Have high volume. Tilt Tony back onto his back foot. Wing wide shots. Come in the pocket. Get the fight to the later rounds. And Tony's lack of stamina. Inability to go all out. It's going to come through, and you'll have a chance to win the fight, right? So let me just say, Tony has a lot of work to do, right? If I'm Tony, I take time off from the sport. He's just lost two matches. Now, in fairness to him, right, Lennox Lewis lost to Oliver McCall, right, George Foreman Lost to Ali, lost to Jimmy Young, right? Lost to Tommy Morrison, if you consider that a loss, right? All of the guys I've named, Mike Tyson, of course, the Buster Douglas fight was just his first loss, right? Lost to Evander Holyfield twice, lost to Lennox Lewis, right? Fighters who take chances are going to run into bad nights. You're dealing with world-class talent. You're fighting contenders, Sometimes the contenders are underrated. As I said, I, I consider Buster Douglas to be underrated. Right? Sometimes the opponents are Hall of Famers like Dwight Cowie. Right? You're going to have losses if you fight top-level opposition from start to finish, and your last name's not Marciano or Mayweather. Right? Or Calzaghi. You're going to have some losses. But my goodness, I'm not sure what Tony is trying to accomplish in the ring. He didn't set up a jab, did he? Right? I thought his most effective move was when Tackham got way inside, Tony would grab him and lean on him. That was as effective as anything else Tony did. In other words, missing was the fire that you saw from Buster Douglas when he's throwing straight rights at Mike Tyson, a prohibitive favorite. Missing is the fire that you see when George Foreman eats a right hand and comes back with a right hook to the guy's body, is throwing uppercuts, gets ripped off when the ref refuses to acknowledge a knockdown, comes right back at it, is right back in the saddle. Right, Anthony Joshua plays it safe for a few rounds against Carlos Tackham. Then he says, enough of that. He gets in the pocket with Tackham, starts trading with Tackham. You sense the fire. Tony Yoka right now is all water. Right, he needs to take time off from the sport. Heavyweights age more slowly. There is a future after stumbles. The people backing him need to give him someone whose style fits his a little bit better. These high-energy guys who are coming in the pocket throwing hooks, who have more stamina than Tony Yoka, are not the dream opponent. Right? The Bacoli fight is so bad that there are times in that fight where Bacoli literally 
looks at Yoka, doesn't even take a step forward. He starts demanding that Yoka meet him in the middle of the ring. I'm not kidding. Look at the film. He starts, you know, just like, just like Tony Bellew does against Usyk, the wrong guy to do that against, right? That got Bellew knocked out at home, right? But understand, Bacoli does it. Yoka stays outside. Bacoli goes on to win a decision, right? So if I'm backing Tony Yoka, I'm carefully picking the opponent, right? Guys with a lot of fire, guys with a lot of skill in the pocket. I would stay away from, right? Tony has a high knockout percentage, for crying out loud. There are guys Tony can stop. Carlos Tackham was not one of them. I hope no one in Yoka's camp is even remotely thinking about a rematch with either Bacoli or Carlos Tackham because I don't think that's going to end well for Yoka. Anyway, that's how I see it. Congratulations on hitting on the plus 425. Let us know in the comment section of this video what odds you got on this match. Understand, too, this gives Yoka, excuse me, this gives Takum, who's in his 40s, another big payday. And understand, a guy with volume who's hard to find against the right opponent might be able to hurt that opponent, get a decision, right? Carlos Takam against Zhang Zhili would be interesting. While Zhili is one of the hardest punchers in the heavyweight division, Zhili seems to lack some stamina, just like Tony Yoka. Right? Takam could hover Stay away from Zhang Zhili's straight left. And I believe Zhili's going to do much better against Joe Joyce than the public does. Right? I don't know who wins the fight, but let's just say my money, part of my betting portfolio, is definitely on the underdog there. But just to understand, Takam could take on three, four, five of the top ten right now and would have a chance. Right? Dillian White. Who knows what happens if he fights Carlos Tackham today because White's skills seem to be diminishing. Right? Just food for thought. Anyway, that's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.